Okay, so this is our final uh, group Bible study, and it's been a great two weeks. We've been to Croydon, Greenwich, Leicester Square, Piccadilly Circus, Charing Cross, and Lord willing, we'll go to Speaker's Corner today. Over the last two weeks, we've been able to give out over 10,000 tracks, and just to correct myself from yesterday, we brought down over 22,000 tracks, and uh, it's always good to be overly confident that you will distribute everything and over the next six months or so we will no doubt distribute the rest of our tracks also from yesterday we were able to package up some tracks which were posted off to two countries three packets went to america and one went to australia and today we've got more packets to go out so the ministry continues to push on and over the last 10 days or so we looked at the gospel what it is how to be saved we covered domestic violence we covered Once Saved, Always Saved, The Great White Throne Judgment, and many more subjects. And uh, after yesterday's reading, I was asked about Romans chapter 8 concerning the term creature from verse 39. In fact, I'll just read it again. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I was asked about this term creature. Was it the same as what we find in Revelation? Concern the creatures, the demons, the beasts that come up out of the depth. Good question. A very good question. And I would say this, that once you are saved, whatever dispensation you find yourself in, you are forever saved. You are kept saved. Also from 39, the term nor height nor depth. I was asked to further clarify that. And I guess because angels are very much found in verse 38, I would say this, that height would be in reference to angels. Hold that thought. Depth would be in reference to demons. Hold that thought as well. So when you read all these verses, For I am persuaded, verse 38, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I will say this, that if you take a look at church history, you know that a man called Muhammad came along in the... Uh, 7th century and uh, he believed that an angel had appeared to him called Gabriel and this angel Gabriel had wings huge wings and yet if you read the word of God you know that angels don't have wings cherubims have wings but angels don't so whatever Muhammad saw he died 530 AD so let me clarify that was 6th century whatever he saw it wasn't Gabriel as far as what you find in scripture but probably a demon So I think these references are probably a veiled prophecy to Muhammad's vision of meeting Gabriel. After him, a man called Joseph Smith came along and he claimed to have seen Moroni or Moroni, depending on how you pronounce it. And those two religions have deceived many people. At last count, the Mormons are around 13 million strong and uh, the Muslims are about uh, 1.6 billion strong. So if an angel comes to you and uh, tries to destroy you tries to rob you of your soul it can't happen if you are saved you are saved in fact if you jump over to first john uh, chapter five i've got several verses to look at this morning no particular order i read this on the train coming down two weeks ago and i thought what a great scripture to show our eternal security first john chapter five take a look if you will at verse 18 please we know that whosoever is born of god sinneth not but he that is begotten of God keep himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And I thought, what a great scripture. That wicked one toucheth him not. That wicked one 
cannot damn your soul to hell once you are born again. But that wicked one can afflict you, like Job. That wicked one can get uh, Peter to deny his Lord. That wicked one was able to get Paul to resist the Holy Ghost's commandment, not to go up to Jerusalem and go on to lose two years of his ministry. But that wicked one, being the devil of course, toucheth him not. That wicked one cannot destroy your soul in hell. Another great scripture from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are not only born again, but you are of God. You've come from God in a spiritual sense. These are great verses to ponder. Second John 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us that if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord or Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. But to not believe that, to not confess that, results in you being damned, totally being destroyed. 3 John verse 11, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Once again, you are of God, compared to being of that wicked one, which is also found in 1 John chapter uh, 3, I think it is. 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. So it comes down to this. You are either in Christ, of God, or you are Antichrist, and of that wicked one. There's no middle way. There's no sitting on the fence you're either born again or you're not and that's why over the last two weeks when i've come into contact with certain religious people clerical and lay i've been somewhat stern somewhat sharp with them many times in the word of god when christ came into contact with such people he was very ferocious towards them and when he came into contact with just everyday people like the woman at the well uh, and others he was quite gentle that's also pictured back in the Gospel of Luke when Gabriel appears to Mary around 15 or 16. And he says to her, a child will be born to you, the son of the highest, the son of God. And you'll be with the child so and so forth. And she doesn't know what's going on. And she asks, how can it be? I don't know a man. And he doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't uh, discipline her because she's a child. Picture of grace there. And yet when he comes into contact with Zachariah, John the Baptist's father, who questions this Soon to be miracle, he's struck with muteness. Why? Because he was a priest. He was much older than Mary was. So these verses and these discussions over the last couple of weeks have hopefully been a blessing to you all. But Romans 8, one last time, and we'll move on to some other verses, is a great part of the New Testament to read, to examine, to reassure yourselves that once you are saved, height concerning the angelic world cannot Destroy your soul. Depth concerning the demonic world cannot destroy your soul, nor any other creature. Church age, tribulation, millennium. And sure, some people are going to be killed in the tribulation, but they are saved. And we read about them in Revelation chapter 6, the souls under the altar, crying out, How long, O Lord? When is our time going to come? When are you going to revenge our souls, so and so forth? And scripture says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, please. The whole purpose of coming to London for the last two weeks has been to get the word of God out.
preach Jesus Christ and I was able to speak to a lady, I think the first or second day, about the Lord Jesus Christ outside Hammersmith train station, which has been our base for the last two weeks. Every morning, a small group of us would go to the local train station for a couple of hours and distribute many tracks. They would come home, have some breakfast, then we'd have a reading, like we are this morning, then we would go out, spend the whole day on the streets, and then sometimes go back to the station in the evening, or go letterboxing in the evening. But during one of my earlier conversations this past week, or the previous week, we're now in week number two, I spoke to a lady, and I said to her, I'm born again, and I'm already in heaven. And she looked somewhat perplexed, somewhat bemused at my statements. But Ephesians 2 tells us such a thing to be so. Ephesians 2, look at verse 4, please. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Even when we were dead in sins, completely dead outside of the will of God, the love of God, the remits of God, enemies of God, in fact, according to uh, Romans chapter 5, hath quickened us together with Christ. Christ gets resurrected. And he takes up the righteous dead, going back to the Old Testament times. And before that, it speaks about some of the saints that had died. Matthew 27. And they are seen walking around Jerusalem. Maybe in Joshua, maybe in David, maybe in Solomon. We're not told. You can speculate. And yet, somehow, in a way that I don't quite understand, at the same time, he's made us alive. Not before we were saved, of course. I don't believe in this doctrine of a pre-existent race. Yes, we were known through the foreknowledge of the Lord before we got saved. But until we existed, we weren't in Christ. You have to be physically alive. And on top of that, you have to believe to be put into Christ. Romans chapter 16. That's where Calvinism, I think, falls flat on its face. Calvinism has you predestinated in Christ before the foundation of the world. Even though Christ, being the Messiah, wasn't physically in existence he was part of the godhead he wasn't uh incarnated until probably 4 bc john chapter 1 but the whole doctrine of the incarnation is somewhat complex to try and understand but these verses are great but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us two loves in the scripture one of course is found in those that get saved and become sons of god the second love is also found through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when we were dead in sins, completely dead, without any chance of saving ourselves, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. That word grace needs to be read and reread and read again. But he's made us alive. When did he make us alive? The moment we believed on him. Ephesians chapter 1. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we got saved, uh, Romans chapter 6, we had our spiritual uh, funeral, if you will. We were baptized in a spiritual sense, and therefore when we got saved, our spirits were resurrected. According to uh, John 5.24, we've passed from death unto life. This is what separates us from every religion in the world today. On top of that, we are sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and Revelation 4 comes to mind 
the 24 elders that were sitting on seats or thrones. And of course, that's reference to the 24 elders, I think, pictures Israel, the 12 tribes, compared to the 12 apostles. The 12 sons of Jacob represent the redeemed Jews, and the 12 apostles represent the redeemed saints from the church age. We are sitting, present tense, together, in heavenly places, in, not just with, but in Christ Jesus. Can't quite understand that, but I guess I would say this, that this pictures eternal security, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. Future generations are going to benefit from this. We are partly redeemed now. We are partly with the Lord and in the Lord. Those of us which are saved, of course, are still very much on the earth, going through daily routines, trials and tribulations. And that's why we were told to pace ourselves. That's why we were told to discipline ourselves. That's why we were told to keep our body under submission, so on and so forth, so we would receive a full reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Calvinists come along. And they say, there you are, you see, you're saved by faith, which is the gift. No, grace is the gift, which produces faith. So God gives you grace, which produces faith, which allows you to be saved. But Romans chapter 10, 17 tells us how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Also from Acts 5, God has given us repentance, being the Jews. And Acts 11, he's given us repentance concerning the uh, gentiles as well so we are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves out goes every works righteous system that you can imagine it is the gift of god and in case you missed it not of works lest any man should boast you believe on the lord jesus christ you trust in the lord jesus christ and you are saved but you are saved unto good works look at verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's why we were in London this week, and that's why we were in London last week. Good works, street work, five, six, seven, eight hours a day on the streets, preaching the gospel, holding up our banner, speaking to people, dealing with indifference, mockery. In fact, just yesterday somebody said that they were going to rejoice in perishing or something along those lines. And, of course, you know that's a blasphemous statement to make. It's also a bizarre statement to make because such person hasn't thought it through. But that's okay because we were saved unto grace and we were saved under good works. In fact, I think I estimated that from our last outreach to Charing Cross, our banner was probably seen by around 10,000 people. The police saw it. The public saw it. Saved people saw it. And uh, unsaved people saw it. And the banner, of course, is very much like a third man. So I'm not going to leave this outreach somewhat down or distressed or despondent. No, we did what we had to do. We've given out maybe ten to 14,000 tracks. I'm not sure exactly how many we've given out. We'll have a count up probably before we all leave over the next day or so. But the way I see it is this, that our banner was able to draw people in. And had they wanted to come forward, they would have come forward and asked questions and got saved. Most people take a long time to get saved. I didn't get saved straight away. It took me a period of time to get saved. And therefore that banner speaks volumes. But verse 10, 
often gets uh, overlooked by many people that get saved. They argue over verses 8 and 9. Are you Calvinist? Are you Minion? Is it faith that's the gift or grace? But they miss verse 10. One final time. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Once you're saved, you can never do enough good works. And yet unlike Catholics who are doing good works to be saved, we do good works because we are saved. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1, take a look, if you will, at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are then predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now justification puts you into Christ. Sanctification keeps you close to Christ. Sanctification is down to you. If you yield to the Holy Ghost on a daily basis, you do great things for the Lord. If you don't yield on a daily basis, you will stray from him. But what you don't want to do is believe on him and then try desperately to stay saved. That's not your job. Being confident of this very thing, that he, being God of course, which hath begun a good work in you, justification by faith, will perform it, will complete it, right up unto the day of Jesus Christ. People say, what about that other scripture from Philippians chapter 2, verse 13? Well, before we get there, look at verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you know you can't save yourself. There's a picture back in the Gospels when the Lord is walking on the water and the apostles see him walking on the water. And Peter wants to walk to the Lord and he gets out of the boat and he starts to walk to the Lord. And he starts to panic and he starts to drown. And he says, Lord, save me. And the Lord reaches out and saves him. Now, he didn't save him from his sins. He didn't save him from hell. He saved him from drowning. You also told back in First Timothy chapter 2 concerning a married couple that if they continue in childbearing, if they continue in doctrine, they'll save themselves. Not in reference to their sins, of course. In reference to their testimonies. In reference to their practical standing. But here, wherefore, my beloved, he's been to save people, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Make sure you're saved. Check yourself out. Make sure you haven't believed in vain. 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 13. At best is a picture of needing to appropriate the atonement. Receive it in case you haven't done. And once you've received it, once you've appropriated it. 13. Make your calling and election sure. Make sure you receive Christ as your saviour. Make sure you're trusting in him alone to save you. 3.3. Three, three, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirits, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. No faith in the law. No faith in ourselves. We are trusting in Christ alone to save us. And the greatest picture of that is a thief on the cross. No works involved. No reconciliation no, go back and clean up your life. Put those wrongs right. No, the thief believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was saved there and then. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. No confidence in the flesh. Put all of your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, the last chapter of Philippians chapter 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, 
and if there be any praise, think on these things. You want peace? You want joy? You want your prayers to be answered? Think on these things. You want to overcome depression? You want to overcome anxiety? You want to overcome loneliness? Think on these things. Honesty, just, pure, lovely, good report. And it's virtuous, praiseworthy. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. And if you do so, you have the perfect peace which passes all understanding. 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That is an amazing piece of scripture. He's saying this, that once you get saved, once you yield to the Holy Ghost, once you mean business with the Lord God, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And I mean all things without exception. Not in the sense of being prosperous, not in the sense of making lots of money, not in the sense of being an, uh, an entrepreneur sort of thing, in the sense of being able to overcome sin, temptation, have your prayers answered, to be a blessing to the brethren. But of course it's conditional on you being in Christ, it's conditional on you walking with the Lord, and it's conditional on you denying yourself, and picking up your cross each and every day, and walking in the spirits with the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need, according to his riches, in glory by Christ Jesus. What a great scripture to conclude our group Bible study, which we've been able to do over the last two weeks now. And my God, our God, shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul told us that in whatever state he was, he had learned to be content. He did all things through Christ which strengthened him. Verse 13, and I put it to us this morning that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. So I will sign out. And thank you once again for all of your friendship, your fellowship over the last two weeks, all of the work that we've been able to do as a group. It's been a great outreach. It's been a great opportunity to once again meet up, to enjoy some good food, to enjoy some good company, to enjoy the Word of God, and above all, to glorify our Saviour on the street, to get the banner up, to speak to people. And I guess if I was to estimate how many people have seen our banner over the past two weeks, could I suggest perhaps 50,000? Would that be an accurate figure to suggest have seen our banner? Maybe more. No more than 100,000. I don't want to over-exaggerate how many people have seen our banner. Perhaps. That might be a little on the high side. I don't know. But many people have seen our banner over the past two weeks. have taken DVDs and tracks. And we've been able to encourage people. Also meet people that have seen us on the internet. And speak to those people. And encourage them to go and do great things for the Lord. So this will be our final study. Looking at the word of God. And uh, I pray the Lord will bless these sermons, which I will entitle the London Sessions. And they'll be going online over the next 10 to 12 weeks. But rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice.